Well, we're glad to have the children in here with us today. Uh, we may not be saying that 30 minutes, and some of you may not already be saying that, but we are glad to have them with us here this morning. How many of you children, you've already opened up presents this morning? Or you adults, you can raise your hand too. You've already opened up presents this morning, all right. How many of you are saving them for this afternoon? You got some more to open up this afternoon? Raise your hands. All right, well, we are saving hours for this afternoon. But regardless of whether you opened them this morning already or this afternoon, when we come to the end of the day, there's, I'm sure there's going to be one of those gifts that is your favorite gift, especially the children that are in the room. And as we look today, of course, we're all here this morning because we understand and there is a church building full of people this morning because we really understand that the greatest gift of all is truly Jesus Christ. And that the first six letters of Christmas is really why we come today to celebrate and that is because of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift of Christmas is Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to John chapter 3. Last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 9, and we recalled this, that the 700 years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem, Isaiah prophesied that he would be born. He says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then last night with all the children up here, we read through that account in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the angel says, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so today we're going to look at John chapter three. We're going to look at a very familiar verse that explains as well as any, the greatest gift given to mankind. And the fact is that throughout history, billions of people have memorized this one verse. In fact, probably most of the children in the room this morning would be able to memorize this. And I hope that Just because you are familiar with this verse and this passage that you will not lose sight of it because we're going to go through it and unpack it this morning. It is one of the most comprehensive verses in scripture. God has used this verse down through the the centuries to remind billions in a very simple way of his greatest gift, the gift of salvation that came through his son, Jesus Christ. One of my favorite sports stories is a story that is often referred to as the John 3.16 Tim Tebow story. How many of you have ever heard this story before? Uh, I love this story. In 2009, when Tim was at the University of, of Florida, he began to write Philippians 4, verse 13, under his eyes. And many people began to Google and look up that verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And it became kind of a, a, um, something that, that Coach Myers said, don't change anything. It's working for us. You keep putting Philippians 4.13 under your eyes. And so after winning the SEC championship uh, and going to the national championship, Tim tells the story about how he felt like God wanted him to change the scripture that was under his eyes. And so he went to his dad and mom and said, I, I truly believe that God wants me to change the scripture reference that's under our eyes. And so his dad says, have you, have you told coach Myers? Because he is not going to be happy with that. 
So he went in and told Coach Myers, and of course he said, Tim, please don't change it. Tim says, I have to change it. So he did. He changed it to John 3, 16. And on January the, the 8th of 2009, at the national championship game between Florida and Oklahoma, Tim wrote John 3, 16 in the eye black beneath his eyes. And uh, by the way, a practice that was banned the next year wouldn't allow that after that. But during that game, during that championship game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16. 94 million people. Exactly three years later, he is now out of college and he is in the pros uh, January the 8th. Uh, 2012, the same date, three years later, while playing for the Denver Broncos against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a playoff game. Uh, again, Tim Tebow put John 316 under his eyes. And, and not just that, but during the game, the, and especially after the game, the media began to pick up on something very unique in that game. And they began to run all the stats of the game. And, and th- these were the stats that Tebow threw for 316 passing yards. He averaged 31.6 yards per completion. The CBS's final ratings for the game was 31.6. The time of possession was 31.06. Now, whether God allowed that, well, God did allow that to happen, but whether God cares about sports or not, he does care about the world knowing about the greatest gift of all. And so I don't know how, but the media picked it up and they began to talk about it. And as they caught Tim going to his uh, conference meeting, they said, do you know what has just happened? And they gave him all the stats. And during that game and after that game, 90 million more people Googled John 3.16. And so God has used this verse, especially to go throughout the world. And so I want you to say it with me this morning, good and loud. All of us who know it, maybe we have it on the screen, but if not, I hope that you know it. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It explains the reason for Christmas. It explains uh, why history is divided into BC and AD, and it really summarizes the the Bible in a single sentence. It, It tells us how we can settle our eternal destiny. In the verse, we're reminded of the gospel and the power of the gospel. In fact, if you have a pen in your hand or there's one in in the seat in front of you, I would encourage you to circle or to underline these words from John 3, 16 that, that as an acrostic spell out gospel, the word uh, God, G, the word only, O, the word son, S, the word perish, P, the word eternal, E, the word L, or I'm sorry, the word life, L, and it, and it spells out as an acrostic, the gospel. Another interesting thing is that there are 25 words in this simple verse. There's 25. The first 12 words speak of God and his purpose, and the last 12 words speak of man and his need. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I want you to notice what is exactly in the middle of those 12 verses previous and those 12 
verses afterwards, it is the word son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is the bridge between God and man. And so I want to just break down this verse this morning, and I want to show you several things why this is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. First of all, I want you to see this morning the greatest love. The very first phrase there says, for God so, and I would encourage you to mark that word, so loved the world. The word so in the Greek is an adverb of intensity. It means no person on this earth will ever be able to comprehend this type of love. This is a a God, a supernatural level love. It is not eros. It is not phileo that you and I are familiar with as humans. But it is an agape love, a selfless, supreme, unconditional love that only comes from God. It only comes supernaturally to us through the Spirit of God. We see in this love that it is eternal or it is ageless. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter one and verse four, according as he hath chosen us in him, notice this, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love or because of love. You know what he's telling us is that God loved us so much, we're so valuable to God that we were in the heart of God from the very beginning before the world was ever created. We exist today because God loves us and his love is eternal. He has always loved us. He always will love us. But secondly, we also see that it is all inclusive. That means it involves everyone. For God so loved who? The world. All of us. It's not a select few. It's not just the good people. It's not just the Jews that he loved. He doesn't pick and choose those he loves. He loves the world. As the kids sing in their their children's church sometimes, red and yellow, black and white, they are what? Precious in his sight. All of them. It is an all-inclusive love. If you are here this morning, God loves you. In, in all of history, billions of people have lived on this earth. There's, there is debate on that. I would, I would say there's probably 36 to 40 million people who have lived on the earth. Some would give a higher estimation of that. But uh, I can stand this morning and tell you upon the authority of God's word that God loves each and every one of them. God so loved the world. And then thirdly, God's love is assured or it's unconditional. God doesn't love you this morning because of something you did. God doesn't love you this morning because of something that you have given him. And he doesn't stop loving you because of something that you do. His love is unconditional. His love never stops. His love never fails. It goes on and on. It never gives up on us. His love is not based on what we can do. Listen, his love is based upon who he is. He can't help but love us. The Bible says God is love. That is who he is. He can't help but do anything else. Paul writes this in Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, here's how I demonstrated my love to you. I gave you Jesus Christ our Lord. And whatever Satan has lied to you about to say, yeah, God loved me when he created me, but you have no idea what I've done. I want to remind you this morning, your love is not based on, or God's love for you is not based on what you did or did not do. He loves you unconditionally this morning. We see this, the greatest love, Ephesians three eighteen and 19. He says, may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. How many of you are thankful this morning that God loves us? Unconditionally. You can look in the mirror today and say, God loves you. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we don't even love ourselves. Sometimes people stop loving us. But I can assure you this morning that God loves you. It is the greatest love that has ever been demonstrated to man. The second thing I want you to see, not only the greatest love, but the greatest sacrifice. There has never been a sacrifice like this sacrifice. For God so loved the world. Notice this next phrase, that he gave his what? Only begotten son. See, Jesus became the final sacrifice and the substitute for our sin. He did not send an angel. He did not send a representative. God came himself in Jesus Christ. God incarnate is Jesus Christ. He demonstrated how extravagant his love was by sending the greatest sacrifice, his only son, He is the incarnation of God. Paul writes in Colossians 1 verse 15, speaking of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That phrase, the firstborn of every creature, means prior to all creation. In other words, Jesus is not a created being. John 1 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word, which is speaking of Jesus, was God. He was there in the beginning. He came, and that's what we're celebrating this morning, that God took on flesh. He became man. If he came to to save the animals, he would have come as an animal. But he came to save human beings, and so he came as a human being. That first Christmas morning, wrapped in skin, there in Bethlehem, it was not just another baby, it was the Son of God that came. Just as Isaiah had prophesied 700 years before, and it was unlike anything that you had ever seen. He was Christ the Lord, which means he was the King. And it was different than any other fairy tale because in all the fairy tales everyone dies for the king but listen in this account the king dies for everyone else and that's why he came as we've talked about he came as a human wrapped in flesh so that he could live a sinless life so that he could die for our sins Primarily, Jesus came to die for the sins of mankind. Romans 5, 8 says this, God commendeth or God demonstrated or God showed how much he loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, you and I will never go to heaven on our own righteousness. 
You'll live this whole life and you can do all the good. You can give to charity. You can volunteer for social work, but you will never accumulate enough good works to go to heaven. If you and I go to heaven, we will go with the righteousness of Jesus Christ placed upon us, not our own good works. We all need a savior because we are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says this, the wages of our sin, the earnings of our sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus paid for our sins. 1 John 2, 2 says, and he, speaking of Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus completed the work of salvation at the cross. Listen, there is a big difference between uh, religion and salvation. Religion is all about do, do this, do that, accumulate this, go to this, live a good life. But salvation is about this word, not do, but done, done. Because Jesus did the work at Calvary. And all you and I can do is put our faith and trust in him and accept the greatest sacrifice that has ever been given to mankind. Then thirdly, I want you to notice not only the greatest love and the greatest sacrifice, but the greatest offer. Let's say it again, the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Notice this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Can't beat that offer, can you? You can't beat this exchange. This is the greatest gift exchange of all times. And it's this, that whoever will trust in Jesus Christ alone and turn from their sin or turn from their faith in religion and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone, that he will take your sin and he will give you his righteousness. That's a pretty good offer. He'll take your sin and he will give you his righteousness. How many of you have gotten all kinds of emails about Christmas offers? Open this email for the best offer, the best deal. This is the best deal. You will not find a better deal than this right here. It is the greatest offer ever given to mankind. I want you to see the scope of this offer. It is to whosoever believes in him. Whoever puts their faith in him. I love Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to some people. No, it's appeared to all men. It's available for you today. It doesn't matter your religious background. It doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or Baptist. It doesn't matter if you are Methodist or you are Mormon or you grew up in the Catholic church or the Christian science church, it doesn't matter. Jesus didn't come to bring us religion. He came to give us a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Peter told Cornelius in Acts 10, 34 and 35 that God is no respecter of persons. And listen, that is certainly true in regards to salvation. 
Not only the scope of this offer, but notice the steps to this offer. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, and I say it here often, but it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, say that last part with me, thou shalt be saved. What a wonderful promise. Confess that Jesus is Lord. That means I'm turning my life over to Jesus Christ. When we give our heart and life to, to Jesus Christ, we are under new management. We, are, we, are, we, we have a new life CEO. We're, we're taking our hands off and we're saying, God, I can't save myself no matter what I do. And so I am turning to you. I am putting my faith and trust in you. And I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. Believe in the gospel Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Listen, believing is, is not just knowing. Okay, you can, you can know. Guess who knows that Jesus is God? The devils know it. They know it, but they haven't believed in him. They haven't put their faith in him. Believing is more than just, just knowing. Uh, I, I could tell you this morning that I know President Bush. You believe me? What if I told you I shook his hand? What if I told you that I got my picture made with him? But let me tell you something. If he called me this morning, I probably wouldn't recognize his voice. And if I called him this morning, he definitely wouldn't recognize my voice. We have, I know of him, I've got my picture made with him, I've shook his hand, but I don't know him. Now, if Kim calls me, I know her voice. I know if she's happy with me, I know if she's mad. I know her. I have a relationship with her. It is more than just a head knowledge. There is a relationship there. And so believing is more than just a head knowledge. It is a heart knowledge. Some have said this before, that many will miss eternal life uh, by 18 inches. And that is the distance between their brain and their heart. It's not just knowing about him. It is putting your faith in him. It is trusting in him. It is saying, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm, that's what I'm banking on. I'm putting my faith in that. And when you do, you have a relationship with him. I want you to notice, lastly, and we're done, not only the greatest love and the greatest sacrifice and the greatest offer, but the greatest gift. The, the greatest gift are these last two words, everlasting life. Say those words with me everlasting life. You know, the only gift that keeps on giving is really everlasting life. Somebody may have given you a gift and said, this is the gift that keeps on giving. No, there is no gift that keeps on giving other than eternal life. 
At some point, it's going to run out. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice this, to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. This is the gift of eternal life. It's more, by the way, than just heaven. It is forever in the presence of Jesus. It is forever absent from perishing, eternal punishment in hell. It is reserved for you and I. You see, eternal life isn't just something that we have in the future. It's something that we have now. It begins now begins the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so we not only have everlasting life, but he says you can have abundant life, can have abundant life. This gift is free for us, doesn't cost you anything, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. For God so loved the world, how much, that he gave his only begotten son, I don't know if we grasp that. You see, there, there may be people, Travis, that I love so much that I would give my own life for them. There's a number of people. In fact, you never know until you're in that moment, but I think I love you enough that if, if given the opportunity, I would give my life for you. But Jared and Jordan and Jackson... I don't love you enough to give their life. I might love you enough to give my life, but I would never give their life for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because Jesus has the greatest love He gave the greatest sacrifice. He says, this is a love that you can't comprehend, but here it is. I'm going to give my only begotten son. And because of that, here is the greatest offer, the greatest deal ever given to mankind. You give me your sin. I will give you my righteousness and eternal life. The greatest gift ever given to mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish eternally in hell. We add as we read the scripture, we know what that means. We know what uh, eternal punishment is. Instead, we can have everlasting life. So two things this morning, if you can go back in your mind and your heart to a place where you have done that, where you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then this Christmas, I hope that you will be reminded the greatest gift of all is not something you're going to unwrap today. The greatest gift of all is why we're here today to celebrate Jesus Christ. And listen, if he is the greatest gift, then shouldn't we treat him like he's the greatest gift? In saying, you're not only my savior, but you're my Lord I take my hands off. If there's something in my life that you don't want me doing, I'm not going to do it. If there's something you want me to give, I'm going to give it because this is the greatest gift I've ever been given. 
And then this morning, if you're here or you're watching, listen, and there has never been a time in your life where you have put your faith in Jesus. You're counting on your good works. You're counting on something else, but you've never by faith put your faith in the gospel, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to do that right here, right now. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. I wonder if there's folks this morning that are either watching or you're here and you would say, no one's looking except for myself, but, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name out, but I do want to pray for you. And you would just say, I I can't go back into my mind, my heart. I can't go back to a time where, where I gave my, my life, my heart to Jesus Christ by faith. There's not that I can remember a time in my life where I've accepted the greatest gift ever given to mankind. But I want to know him as my savior, as my Lord and savior. Would you just slip your hand up this morning? Just let me pray for you. Is there anybody like that? I see a few hands. See that hand. Anyone else? Listen, the greatest gift that you can, the the greatest gift that you can open today is the gift of salvation. And you can do it in your seat. If there's never been a time in in your life where you can go back to and you can say, this is where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And right there where you're sitting right now, I would encourage you just to pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that what I deserve for my, my sin is eternal punishment, hell but I believe the gospel. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. And today I'm putting my faith in you and you alone. Not my religion, not my past. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm accepting your gift of salvation today. I want you to be my savior and I want you to be Lord of my life. No one's looking, but if, if you've never done that before, but you just did, would you just raise your hand? Let me see it. Say, I've never done it before, but I just did. Awesome. See that hand. Praise the Lord for that. How many of you would say this morning, I know that I'm saved, but the truth is, is that I'm not treating the gift of Jesus Christ like the greatest gift ever given. He is not Lord of my life. Would you just slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me that I would give him total control of my life this morning? Would you just slip up your hand? I see many, many hands. I want to encourage you this morning to give your heart and life back to the Lord. Listen, there's a lot to do today, but there's nothing any more important than this right here. So as we stand together and Brian leads us, if you have made a decision this morning to trust Christ and you'd like to make that public, why don't you come to our church? If Christians, why don't you slip out right now, wherever you are, if God's spoken to your heart, why don't you just come find a place in the altar?